You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. Well, we've been, uh, we started a series last week uh, in the book of Philippians talking about joy. Philippians is such a great book. And if you missed last week, we really talked about having our eyes fixed on Jesus. Why? Philippians 1.6 says this, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the coming of Christ Jesus. And so we know this, that, you know, listen, every one of us, no matter what we are feeling in our life, and that was the whole point of Sunday's message last week, is having joy no matter what. And here's how we can have joy no matter what, by keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ, because he's the one who has begun the good work in us. And he's the one who will complete it. So when God calls us to something, guess what? He doesn't abandon us. He doesn't leave us. It's our job to keep our eyes fixed on him because when he starts something in us, he will finish the job. But today what I want to talk about, and I believe if you're here this morning, you're not here on accident, I want to talk about bringing joy in our relationships. Relationships are so important. If you're here, you're proof that relationships are important, that you can't do life on your own. Some of you may have tried. You've tried the hermit uh, crab lifestyle. You just kind of pulled away, tucked away all to, by yourself. Maybe you did that because you found that sometimes relationships are icky. They're painful sometimes, and they are. Sometimes relationships are tough. But I believe that God's given us a plan to bring joy into our relationships, and I believe that Philippians chapter 2 teaches us how to bring joy into our relationships. And that's what I want us to be encouraged with today. No matter where we are or who we are doing life with, to understand that God's design is so that joy would come and flood our relationships. And if we choose to be obedient to God's model, then we can expect to see some joy. That relationships become joyful. Relationships are extremely important to God. He, He put us there. The book of Ephesians talks about this so well when, when it uh, gives us the illustration of how we've been fit together. And the illustration is that of a body. And the same way that your body parts have all been fit together, that God designed us and asked us to grow in the context of relationship. We can't grow alone. That means that relationships and how we do relationships become really important. And there we also know that's why sometimes in relationships the greatest struggle exists. And so we need a model. We need a plan. We need to know God's design so that our relationships can be joyful. If relationships really are God's pathway for us to grow, that's what the book of Ephesians says together, that we've been knit together, tied in together so that we all grow into Christ Jesus, become mature in Him then we need to know how to operate by God's design according to our relationships. And so at the very beginning of Philippians chapter 2, we see this. And Philippians, again, is such a beautiful book because it's one of Paul's prison epistles, meaning this, that Paul wrote this book while he was under house arrest in Rome. But it's not like his other prison epistles because when he had to write to the church in Galatia, And even the church in Ephesus, the church in Colossae, what he had to do is sometimes he had to offer a bit of a rebuke or a correction or saying, hey, listen, you got your eyes off over here. You need to get your eyes back here. Or you need to stop doing this and start doing this. But Philippians is different. See, the church in Philippi, 
Paul actually writes to out of this great joy, out of this great joy, which makes the condition that Paul writes in even crazier to think that he would have joy at any part of his life. Paul was incarcerated. He had every reason not to be joyful, but Paul isn't speaking from the the confines of what's happening to him externally, but he's speaking from the revelation of the joy of the Lord. And listen, that's what I really want us to get a hold of because that's the source of our joy, even when it comes to our relationships. If we can't accept and receive joy from God and love from God, then we will never have a relationship that is joyful or filled with love. So Paul writes this letter and he says, listen, he talks about this amazing joy that he has that's coming from the Lord as he's writing this letter to the church there in the book of Philippians. And so Philippians chapter 2, here's where we see the command and the promise that God gives concerning joyful relationships. If you have your Bibles, you can open them up. If you have on your phone, go ahead and open it up. It'll be on the screens. Philippians 2, 1 through 4 says this. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if you have any comfort from his love, if you have any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you, to the interest of others. Paul starts this off with just this great accolade to the church there in Philippi, and he says, listen, you, if you have any encouragement from being united in Christ, and here's what he's saying, listen, you guys do this well. You understand the revelation that you are walking with God. You understand the revelation of being united with Christ. You understand the revelation of living in the love of God. You got it right. Good job. Way to go. You share and you, you have unity in the Spirit. You're, you're tender-hearted and you're compassionate to the things of the Lord. And then all of a sudden, he flips the script. He goes, listen... You have done an A-plus job at capturing the revelation of the love of God. Now here's what I want you to do, is I want you to turn it out and begin to love other people that way. He says, make my joy complete. Not just having unity with the Spirit, but having that same unity, that same love with one another. And he gives a command and he gives a promise. The Holy Spirit gives a command and a promise. Says this, have the same love as Christ. So last week we talked about fixing our eyes on Christ. To this week we're talking about modeling Christ. Have your eyes, have the same love of Christ. Model Christ. Where? In your spirit and in your mind. Verse chapter, I'm sorry, uh, verse 2 says this, being in one spirit and of one mind. What does that mean? It means this. That you have to have the revelation of the love of God, but you have to make the decision to love like God. This is what Paul's saying. This is what the Holy Spirit's saying. That when we choose to model Christ in our relationships, what we are saying is that we are choosing in the spirit to live under the revelation of the love of God, but we are also choosing 
to act in the love of God, to show the love of God. It's not enough just to capture the revelation of the love of God. We've got to live out the love of God. Have the same love of Christ. And then he goes on and he takes it a step further and he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Listen, what Paul's doing is saying there's a pattern that the world uses to guide their relationships. There's a pattern. And it's a pattern that goes like this. That if you do something harmful to me, then I'm going to harm you back. That I'm going to set out in this world just to get what I can in my relationships. But God says this, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Conceit. Don't do things selfishly. Instead, carry a different model. How do we do that? By allowing God to renew our mind concerning our relationships. Here's the command. Have the same love of Christ, but in order to do that, you're going to have to allow God to renew your mind concerning your relationships. And then finally, he says this, humble yourself and prefer others above yourself. We do that by submitting to the power of the Holy Spirit in our relationships and trusting God in our relationships, God's design for our relationships. This is the command. Here is the promise. By doing this, it brings joy, complete joy, into our relationships. When we choose to have the same love and display the same love that Christ displayed toward us in our relationships, when we choose to allow our minds to be renewed to God's plan in our relationships, when we choose to humble ourselves and prefer others and love people the way that God does, what happens is that joy comes into our relationships. It doesn't stop there, but Paul goes on and says, listen, there's a model. There's a model, and it's Jesus Christ himself. And I want to take a second, and I want to talk about this. Because if we take and we allow the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts this morning and open up our ears and really receive this, there's going to be a transformation in the way, not only the way we see other people, but there's going to be a transformation in the types of relationships we have and the kind of relationship we have with other people. The joy of the Lord is going to begin to fill our hearts in our relationships. Here's the model in Philippians chapter 2, 5 through 8. And this is so amazing. Listen, this is, this is super powerful language chock full of great theology but there's some simple things concerning relationships that we can grab a hold of in verse 5 of philippians chapter 2 it says this in your relationships with one another have the same mindset as christ jesus who being in the very nature of god did not consider equality with god something to be used to his own advantage rather he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. I want you to hear that. Paul outlines this beautiful act of redemption that Jesus committed himself to and the things that Jesus held on to in his heart. The decisions that Jesus made as he was redeeming humanity. The very important thing that I want you not to lose sight of, but to gather here right here is in verse 5. That this model, this model, this beautiful act of redemption, of God saving humanity, pulling us out of our sin, and the attitude that Christ had, here we see 
that this is the attitude that we're supposed to have with who? One another. This same attitude that Jesus took during the greatest act of redemption, redeeming humanity, this is what God says should be the model for the way we interact with one another. And I think sometimes we need to just kind of, when, when I, listen, when I read these kind of passages, what has to happen for me and maybe for you too is I have to kind of wrestle with this. I have to let it hit me a little bit. I need to kind of let it slap me around because there's no flashy way for me to present this to you and say there's another way. I can't word this cleverly and say, listen, there's a cutesy way of saying how we're to love one another because the word of God that we just read right here says this. We're to model the same attitude that Jesus had while he chose to lay down everything, to sacrifice everything, to become like nothing, to become obedient to death. We're to become like that in our relationships. See, here's, what, here's the difference in, in, from God's design and the model that God gives and, and what we're supposed to take on to have joy in our relationships. The first thing is this, is that joyful relationships do not operate from a place of what's deserved, but they operate from a place of abundance. Joyful relationships operate out of a place of abundance, not what is deserved. The very first thing that we read here that Jesus did is, is this in verse 6, who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Wow. Wow. It's amazing. See, here in this place right here, where we see with Jesus is this, and this isn't what we read here, is not an argument that Jesus had with God. See, this was a heart decision that Jesus made, and that we're getting a, like an insight in so that we can see and ask the Holy Spirit to begin to uh, put in us so that we can love the same way Jesus loved in our relationships. But we see something here about how relationships are formed, and sometimes we can form relationships out of the pattern of what's deserved, out of fairness. Sometimes we measure our relationships based on what's been done to us. And when something's been done to us, we keep a score. And in that scorebook, what we do is we love proportionately to what has been loved to us. But Jesus set a different model. And it says it here in Philippians 2, verse 6. It said, he who was equal with God did not look at his equality with God and say, God, this isn't fair. See, and this is extremely important. And this, it's, like I said, it's chock full of theology here. It's very, very deep. But there is a simple truth about relationships I want you to catch. Because in order for Jesus to redeem humanity, he had to be fully God. But yet he was still to be fully man, but yet he was still fully God. And in order to become fully man, he had to look at his position of deity and set it aside. He did not set aside his deity. He set aside his position in heaven of deity, and he became man. And he never one time looked at the Father and said, this is not what I deserve. Why? 
because he did not view it through what was deserved, but through the abundance of the love of the Father, the love that the Father had for you and for me. And so his position in heaven was nothing he fought for. And for us to have joy in our relationships, we've got to function out of the place of the abundance of God's love and not what is deserved. When we step into a place of deserve, of what's deserved, manipulation can slide in. The scales of fairness can be tilted. We will begin to keep score. That's not God's design. That's not God's design. But that seems really difficult. It should seem really difficult. Again, this is something that, that if you read this, you should, you should stop and say, wait a minute. How in the world can I do that? Here's how. The second thing that we see here from the model that Jesus gave is that joyful relationships take a different approach to things that Jesus did. The first thing that he did is he took on the heart of a servant. Verse 7. Rather, he made himself nothing. Wow. By taking on the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. Jesus actually set this principle while he walked on the earth with his disciples for us in Mark chapter 10 verses 42 through 45. I'm going to read this to you. It's very powerful. Again, again, one of those things you just kind of scratch your head and said, really Jesus? But if we want joy in our relationships, this is the model. In Mark 10, 42-45, it says, And Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles. They lord it over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. Jesus took his disciples aside and said, You see a pattern in the world. And the pattern is this. It's top down. It's the person who has the authority, lords over, rules over. But Jesus says it's going to be different with you guys. See, the the way that I've created you to be in relationship is not a top-down leadership style, but it's a bottom-up leadership style. He says in order for, for you to love the way that I love, for joy to come into your relationships, here's what you have to do. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. Jesus set a new principle. He modeled something different. He took on the heart of a servant. And in order for us to have joyful relationships, we have to also take on the heart of a servant. We have to learn to serve others. And in doing so, we invite joy into our relationships. But again, it's not enough. It's just simply not enough. We can't just simply say, hey, listen, we want to operate in abundance in our relationships and we're going to serve other people. But God has to do something to our heart in order for that to happen. I want to show you this here, back to the model in Philippians chapter 2 in verse 8. It says, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself. By becoming obedient to the death, even death on a cross. See, the model includes this, not just operating out of abundance or or taking and becoming a servant, but humbling our hearts as well. We humble our hearts under God's love 
and under God's plan for relationships. We have to humble our hearts. We humble our hearts under the revelation of God's love and the revelation of God's plan for relationships. In Colossians 3.12, it says it like this, Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. See, here's what has to happen in order for us to humble our hearts is that we've got to stay in the deep well of God's love. If you're going to humble your heart, if you're going to model servant-based leadership in your relationships and operate out of the abundance of God's love, you've got to be pulling from a deep well. Because otherwise, you're going to try to do this in your own ability and you are going to fall short. In order to model God's plan, the model that Jesus gave us in relationships, we've got to have a deep well to pull from a deep well of God's love. And here's what God says happens in our relationships. It's the same thing. And again, it's so amazing that that this model is used specifically in the way that we handle our relationships. This is what God did for Jesus And this is what happens as we choose to approach our relationships and we invite God's love. Philippians 2.9 says this, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that's above every name. I understand that this is speaking of Christ Jesus and his position, but here's the thing. Jesus' act of obedience to choose to serve us and to allow the abundance of the love of God to come forth, he didn't have to worry about his position, but he actually got that position back plus some. The book of Ephesians says that God highly exalted him and gave him the name that's above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. See, that position was never threatened. And what happens is we choose, when we choose to agree and obey God's model for relationships that we see in Christ Jesus, God begins to exalt our relationships. The love of God begins to come in. The joy of the Lord begins to come in. God begins to heal supernaturally relationships that may have been divided or hurt or bruised or broken. He begins to do that. Well, how do we put this plan in action? How do we take and apply this in our life? We understand the model. We understand the promise as we choose the model. But how do we do this? I believe further in Philippians chapter 2 that we see the answer to that. Listen, how do we do this when things get hard? How do we do this if you right now are in the middle of a relationship and it's, it's hard, there's tension? Now let me give a little bit of context. Let me pause for a second because it's really important when we talk about relationships to just be very clear. The context of this passage right here deals with relationships with people who have, are like-minded, who confess Christ, It deals with the relationships that exist in this house. For many of you, if you're in a Christian home, the relationships that are in your home. But I also believe these principles apply even when somebody may not know the Lord. But let me be very clear and very uh, gentle in this. And I'm not speaking to everybody, but in case I'm speaking to one person, I need to make this clear. This does not deal with relationships that are abusive or harmful. 
And if today you find yourself, please hear me, if you find yourself in that position, God is not asking you to submit to that. If you are in a place in a relationship that is physically harmful or abusive. Okay? Do you hear me on that? Unfortunately, we live in that world. And if that's you, please, please, please do not leave here today without talking to me or one of our other pastors. We want to help you. But the context of this deals with with people who are like-minded. And even people, listen, if you're a spouse here that's married to somebody who's not a believer, you can apply these principles and see the love of God and the joy of God come into your relationships. But sometimes relationships are tough, so how do we start to practically apply this into our relationships? And Philippians 2, 12-14, I believe, gives us an idea how we do that. Philippians 2, verse 12 says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to in order to fulfill his good purpose. Verse 14, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. The first thing that we have to do is this, and this might sound trite, but it's extremely powerful. And if you don't remember anything, please remember this. When it comes to bringing joy and allowing the joy of God to fill your relationships, the first thing that you must do is this, surrender to God's plan. Obey. You've got to obey. You've got to obey you got to obey God's plan. See, and this is what Paul writes here. He says, listen, you've always obeyed. But here we see a little bit of a key to obedience. He said, you obeyed in my presence when it was easy, when we had good meetings. When the Holy Spirit filled up the, the house and, man, we were dancing around. You guys were obedient when it was good. But you were also obedient in my absence. And here's the key. you got to obey when it's easy and you have to obey when it's hard. And in your relationship, sometimes it's hard to say, I'm going to love this person the way that God loves them. But you've got to choose to obey. That's the starting place. But the next thing that we see here in this passage that we read in verse 13, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. And I want you to pay attention to the beginning and the end of this particular verse. Here's what we see. It's God, right? It's God. It's God doing it. God's doing it. And that it is good. It's his good purpose. It's good. But here's the thing. You can't do it on your own. So the act of obedience is an act of surrender to say, God, I choose your plan, but the Holy Spirit does the heavy lifting. For it is God who is giving you the power to both will and to act. And those words are very, very important because they deal with both aspects of what it takes to love people the way that Jesus loved us and to bring joy into our relationships. The first thing that we see is this, to will. To will. Here's what the Holy Spirit does as we invite him to come in. That word means this, to resolve or determine, to purpose. To resolve or determine or purpose. See, God will actually change and renew our mind and give us a new perspective. Lord, I thank you for Bob. God, help me to love Bob and see Bob the way that, if there's a Bob here, I'm sorry, I'm just using Bob as a general term. 
Andy, help me to love Andy the way that, that, that you love Andy. Help me to see Andy. Oh, God, I thank you. Oh, I see him. I see him. God, Holy Spirit, thank you for just giving me a thank you. Okay, I see that you love Andy so much. Wow. You might even, you might even shed tears. Oh, man, God, you love Andy. You gave your son for Andy. Wow, you call Andy beautiful, wonderful, amazing. But here's the kick. This is the kick. See, changing our will is not enough. And God knew that. Because we can get into that place, that sweet place where the Holy Spirit begins to renew our minds for somebody, but then we go back and we face Andy, and we're like, we see him and go, oh, oh, I don't want to talk to Andy. Oh, he's grating on me right now. Oh, he just did that thing that I hate. Oh, man, he just said that. But here's what God does. To will and to act. Here's what act means, to affect, to make the change. The Holy Spirit doesn't leave us incomplete. See, he changes and renews our minds, but he gives us the power to love, to overcome some of the stuff that we see on people that maybe we in our natural self find to be a little bit, uh, but we go, hey, I'm going to step out and I'm going to say, hey, I, Andy, I love you. Hey, I, I just want to let you know, maybe, maybe that's too much, too big of a step for somebody, but you go and you say, hey, I just, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad God put us in the same place. Hey, I see this wonderful gift that God's put in you. See, because it is God who does it, and it is good, but what he does is he allows our, the Holy Spirit to renew our mind, but also give us the power to act on it. But here we see the sealer moving down here in the passage that we just read in verse 14 says, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. And our involvement in the process as we invite the joy of the Lord into our relationships is this. It's to simply say, God, we're going to protect our heart and we're going to protect our mouth. See, here's the thing is that if we don't do that, there will be times in relationships that become conflicting. And if we don't guard our heart and guard our mouth, we'll walk out of those interactions and we'll begin to grumble and we'll begin to argue. And here, Paul, the Holy Spirit is telling us, listen, the thing that's going to come back in and destroy what the Holy Spirit is trying to do is when we let that stuff happen. And let me just say it the way that God says it is this. If you're grumbling about somebody that God's put you in relationship with that's also in the body of Christ, no matter what they're doing, if you are complaining or gossiping or, or talking or backbiting or arguing or creating arguments in your mind, listen, the bottom line is that's sinful. That's sin. Stop it. Go back to step two and let the Holy Spirit heal your heart and correct your heart and say, God, I'm going to love. the why? why? Because the model, again, is Jesus Christ. And it's this beautiful act, this amazing act of redemption, this, this, this beautiful act. When Jesus forsook everything, he had every right not to. He had every right to go and to grumble and complain and say, Andy is filthy. You did not ask me to leave my position in heaven so that I could save a wretch like Andy. He did not do that. And so when it comes to inviting the joy of the Lord into our relationships, we've got to say, God, this is a big thing. And the first thing that we're going to do is say, 
I submit to your plan. I'm going to obey you. If you're in a relationship today and it's not filled with joy, don't look at the other person and pray, God, change them. Say, God, I'm going to submit to your plan. I'm going to submit to your plan. I'm going to submit to model. Unless you can go up and you can just knock off everything and have somebody else confirm it. That's, that's a, you're knocking off everything that Jesus did. Listen, I submit to your plan. I'm going to obey your plan, Jesus. But then the very next thing out of your mouth must be this. I can't do that. So Holy Spirit, give me the power to do it. Renew my mind for this person. And here's what's going to happen as that happens, is the love of God is going to fill your heart in such a powerful way that you're going to begin to have a heart change yourself. This is what I've found to be true in my own life. The more critical I get about people is because some of the reasoning for it is because I'm unhappy myself. I don't like something that I see in me. And so the way that gets healed is by tapping back into that deep well of the love of God and saying, God, listen, you're going to have to do that. And as my mind gets renewed, it also gets renewed for me. See, because I can't love somebody with the love of God without knowing the love that God has for me. And when I hear him talk to me as son, and I hear him begin to tell me those things, and as it heals my heart, I can begin to see people with that same love. But then I have to go out and I have to give that love. It's not enough to carry it as a revelation in your heart. You've got to give it. So Holy Spirit, help me. I heard Pastor Travis Elkins say this, and I'm going to steal it. You need grace for somebody's gross. That's good. That's a good word. Family members, you can let them know I stole that. And that's what that is. God gives you grace from people around you that you might think are gross. See, because the second we go and we try to separate ourselves in the body, you know what we're doing? We're getting sick. When your physical body fights against itself, it's because you have an infection in your body and your body is trying to heal it so it can come together and mend itself back together. And when we choose not to adapt and take this model on and not to allow the love of God to fill us and joy come into our relationships, especially in the body, and listen, this applies in your family as well, what's happening is that you are allowing an infection to come and separate you out of a place that God says, I've called you in to grow you. And I understand, listen, please hear me, in great grace, in great grace, relationships are hard. And oftentimes they take a lot of work, and oftentimes they take work, and sometimes we don't get there, but we get back up and we keep going. Let me say this also. This is just bonus right here, okay? Is that this, if, that if you're in a relationship right now that you have conflict in, and you're starting to apply these things, and maybe you've already started and you've hit a road, a brick wall, I'm sorry. You hit a brick wall and you're like, listen, I'm about to stop. Don't. Don't. Do not. I'm saying this with a bit of authority because I believe this is from the Lord. Do not quit. Humble yourself and take the step. Humble yourself and apologize. I'm telling you that as a word from the Lord. I'm telling you that as a word from the Lord. If that's you, humble yourself and apologize because the Lord is going to sweep in 
and heal hearts and mend back together what you thought could never be mended together again. All right? Okay. If that's for you, just, just, just do it. All right? Don't. All right. It's okay. So let's, let's take some first steps, okay? Just some questions that we can ask ourselves. This is what I love about Philippians chapter 2, and I really do love this because God, God wrote this for us. The Holy Spirit put this out there for us. This is beautiful. Paul wraps this chapter up with a little bit of an example. For some of you that are looking for like the first thing you need to say out of your mouth. Say, Pastor, I understand the promise and I understand the command. I understand the promise. I understand the model. I understand the steps I have to take. But what, what do I say? What do I do? What is something that I can tangibly do? I, I want to throw these out here as ideas, okay? Because God loves your relationships. He wants you to flourish and have joy in your relationships. In Philippians 2, 19-21, this is how Paul's closing this chapter. He says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. Listen to this, verse 20. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. Verse 21. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. See, Paul sets an example here with the life of Timothy, and he says, listen, here's a good first step. To show genuine concern. To show genuine concern. Some questions that you can ask yourself about that relationship in your life that maybe you're trying to allow the joy of the Lord to come into. Questions you can ask yourself and ask the Lord to give you some insight on. Ask yourself, what matters to them? What matters to them? Ask yourself that question about that person. What matters to them? What's important to them? I know this sounds really simple, but these are the questions sometimes that when life gets busy and things get hectic and conflict slips in and things get rough, these are the questions that we stop asking about the people that God has purposefully connected us with. And these are life-giving questions. What matters to you? What is important to you? How many of you guys have had this happen to you multiple times this week? You've walked by somebody, they go, hey, Bob, how you doing? You go, just fine. Great, great to hear it. You're doing fine? Yeah, good, okay, bye-bye. You know what happened there? Nothing. You know the reality? You probably weren't doing fine. The other person probably wasn't doing fine either. But that becomes the nature of our relationships. But when we stop and we say, God, you actually connected me in there, then we have to stop and say, listen, what was God thinking when he sent Jesus to model what relationships look like on the earth as he is redeeming humanity? He said, what does Andy need most? What matters to Andy? There's a lot of stuff going on in Andy's life, but what matters most is that he knows I love him. What matters most is that there's a pathway that he can have hope in life. And these are the questions that we have to ask. Another question is, what's heavy on their heart? Maybe they're carrying something and and God's put you next to them so that you can share that burden. Also, what makes their heart happy? Man, I know, listen, husbands, listen, we're men, women, you can just do something else right now. But let me talk to the men real quick. Husbands, listen, write that down. Figure that one out. What makes 
your wife's heart happy. Wives, you can do that for your husbands too. Do it for your kids. Listen, it's important. Why? Because it shows genuine concern. And when Paul was writing this, he writes this so that we can see this. He says, listen, I'm excited to send Timothy to you. Why? Because there's so few people I can send to you that actually care for you more than you know. He has genuine concern for your well-being. He's going to pray. He's going to figure out what you need. He's going to help accomplish that. He's going to become a bridge so that you can have joy in life. And he closes it off and says, listen, everybody looks out for their own interests, but not if you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ. Wow. When we put these pieces together, what happens is that we invite the promise that we started off with today that our joy would be complete and the joy of the Lord would be in our relationships. Let's stand up and let's pray. This morning as we pray and close, and oh man. What a good and challenging word today. I know that it challenged me in the pursuit of my relationships and understanding how God, where God has seated me and put me. I know that's challenged some of you this morning. And this morning as we pray, it starts with understanding that we have to operate and know and, and dig from the deep well and, and drink from the deep well of the love of God. And if you're not drinking from that well, the love of God, you don't know the love of God that came through Jesus Christ, what we read that there in the Philippians chapter 2 this morning, don't let that pass you by. See, not only is putting your faith in Jesus Christ security for your, your future, when you take your last breath, that you have the confidence of knowing that you're going to stand before Jesus in heaven, but it's also understanding that when you come into Christ Jesus, that you know the wonderful love of God that could heal every pain and hurt that you may be walking through today. And if you haven't made that decision today, please, 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 as we pray, make this confession. Jesus, I believe that what you did at the cross is sufficient to cover my sins by allowing your body to be broken and your blood to be shed. Jesus, I receive you as the Lord and Savior of my life. The Bible says when you pray that prayer that you become a son or daughter of God. But I want to pray for everybody this morning and pray that we allow the Holy Spirit to do a beautiful work. And this morning there may just be something simple that we have to start off with in a relationship. It may be, like I said, humbling your heart and saying I'm sorry. Or it could be just saying, hey, listen, go and telling somebody how much they mean to you or just allowing the Lord to renew your perspective on somebody. Let's pray. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus for your word. Holy Spirit, we allow that word just to take and sink deep into us, to take deep root into us. And, and we choose, Father God, as a people, Lord, to obey, to obey, obey what you said and your model and your design for relationships. But Holy Spirit, we rely on you to give us, Lord, the, to allow us to drink from that deep well of your love. Holy Spirit, for those here this morning that have to have their minds renewed, Lord, for somebody, then Holy Spirit, do the work.
Help us, Holy Spirit, in our weakness. But also give us the power to act, to go, to do. And let the revelation of the love of God fill every heart this morning. Let the revelation of the love that Jesus had has for us fill every heart in here today, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. If you made a decision this morning to follow Jesus, please let somebody know. You can just simply fill out a, a connect form and drop it off in the back. But we love you so much. Don't forget this Wednesday we have our, our night of worship, so come and join us then at 7 o'clock. We're going to have some ministry teams come up and pray. So if you need prayer for anything, come on up, ministry teams. If you need prayer for anything this morning, please come up and see us. We'd love to pray for you for anything. Have a great day.